You're listening to the Conversations Podcast, brought to you by Cypress Creek Church. The reason I came to faith in Christ was because I had terrible addictions in my life that were destroying my family. Hmm. When I started following Jesus, he started taking away those addictions one at a time. And where Linda and I were headed for a divorce with one child, today we have six children, 25 Amen. grandchildren, and like five great-grandchildren. <laughs> and that, so the miracle of my salvation wasn't just for me, it was for our family. Welcome to the Conversations Podcast. My name is Taylor. Today, joined by two special guests. First is Pastor of Spiritual Formation, Bob Moss. Bob, thanks for being here. Well, thank you for inviting me. Absolutely. Anytime, Bob. And of course, Lead Pastor Jose Abaroa. Good to be here with you. And Bob. Absolutely. We kicked off a new series called The Kingdom Culture. Jose, I'd love to get your thoughts, not only on kind of what preparation was like for you heading into the message of Sunday, but even just as a series and just kind of, you started a little bit on Sunday, but maybe just kind of the backstory of what was kind of stirring in your heart that led you to really want to teach this series. Yeah, someone asked me yesterday, Jose, is this series proactive or reactive? And I thought that was a really good question. And I think what I what I answered is it's both. It is proactive because we need to know these things. We need to know what the kingdom culture is versus what the culture around us is and, and how to balance those things in tension as we live as citizens of this earth and uh, 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 proactive citizens here in this country and also reactive because I think that this election and this season is a stronger, has a stronger pull and, and has a stronger dominion. It's ruling over us in a way maybe that, that, that it hasn't for a while. And I don't say that because as someone that's, you know, my age, I've said that because Bob, I've heard you say, I've heard you say that things are different now than they've been in your lifetime. And I've talked to other people as well that have been around and, and have seen, um, how things are. So that's really, it's really where it came from. Yeah, Bob, what do you think about the importance of talking about the kingdom of God? And just as you see, if we were going to talk about family today, but even just with uh, church and with uh, country and government as a whole, kind of how have you seen that play out as far as just the importance of, of establishing what the kingdom of God looks like? Well, the kingdom of God is the foundation of everything because everything that is not the kingdom of God is only an illusion. Hmm. That's good. That's good. And Bob and I, we've had a lot of conversations about the kingdom of darkness in the kingdom of light. You gave that message a few uh, weeks, months ago before the Church That Heals series. And it, it, it has been a theme in, in our context of conversation uh, that we've talked about, okay, is this kingdom of, of God? Is this kingdom of light? Or is this kingdom of darkness stuff. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think identifying those things is, is really important. Yeah, that's good. It helps me to sort through everything mm -hmm. that I see uh, by putting it in one of two kingdoms, kingdom of light versus the kingdom of darkness. So that is something that is helping me simplify, which is one of my objectives right now. 
That's good. That's so good. good. Jose, you talked on uh, two Ps. You talked about posture and priority when it comes to this. So let's let's talk about posture first. Why is why is posture something that we need to kind of be aware of? How to be aware? How can we be aware of our posture? And then what's like the, kind of the significance of that uh, as we head into this kind of kingdom of God and even with our families? So adding another P to that, being proactive uh, through all of this means that we can't stop it from happening. Uh, We don't want to be out of this world. We want to be totally in this world, not of it. And so when I looked at all three institutions that the Bible talks about from literally beginning to end, the family, the church, and then the nation or government, I realized that there was one common theme in, in, in the way that we are instructed to posture ourselves. And personally, I was shocked. I, I did not read into the text. I read literally that out of the text of saying, we're called to submit ourselves first to the Lord. Everything is under submitting ourselves to the Lord first, allowing him to be Lord of our life, King of our heart. And and then out of that, out of reverence for Christ, submit yourself to one another or in view of God for uh, second Peter, let me pull it up here. I don't want to misquote it. Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human authority. That's first Peter two verse 13. So this, this posture of submission is what we're instructed to, to, to act uh, like no matter what is going on around us. We have, and Jose, you alluded to this, but as a culture, that is not, submission is never used in a positive connotation and is always kind of seen as something you want to avoid being put under. And so, uh, Bob, I'd love to bring you into this as well, but but how do we kind of counter what the culture is telling us about this view of submission? Because... Uh, yeah, that's not something people would usually voluntarily sign up for. But how do you think we kind of reorient our mind to kind of see submission in a way that, that God sees it? Well, first of all, we shouldn't be afraid to talk about submission with anybody because the opposite of submission is rebellion, mm-hmm. anarchy. And what anarchy and rebellion Uh, boils down to is uh, a false pretense that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. (laughs) And that's what we have in our culture today, and it comes out of secular humanism because Mm -hmm. their very first tenet in secular humanism is that the earth is self-existent and not created. Mm. Well, what they are doing is denying God. Well, we don't have to apologize for anything because the kingdom of God is true. Mm. Submission merely helps us understand how to enter in to a relationship with God that is very powerful uh, in that is through submission, through serving, through being a slave. Mm -hmm. Because people don't understand that everybody who is born into this world is born as a slave. They are a slave to sin. Mm -hmm. Now, the only way to be free from that is 
to become a slave <laughs> to righteousness. Amen. So my choice, righteousness. <laughs> and it's not outward piety or outward religion. It's inward surrender to the King of Kings, to the Lord of Lords, to the creator of the universe. Yeah, yeah. that'll preach. That's, That's really good, Bob. Yeah, it makes me think of submission as God's way of giving us security. Yes. Of yes. saying, hey, you don't have to worry about figuring it all out. Uh, just just watch me and, and be in relationship with me, abide in me and Amen. allow me to cover you um, under this order that I've established as the, the the best way to do this thing called life and be human. Amen. Is, is acknowledge that you are not the creator, your creature, but your creator loves you. And I think of uh, early on in Genesis, uh, Genesis chapter 11, when the Tower of Babel, and, and it, is, it is an interesting passage because they're building this, this tower and, and it, they're, they're doing it to make a name for themselves. So it's kind of, I think that's kind of the, the, one of the tenets, you know, that you just mentioned about secular humanism, you know, taking credit of what God really is, is all about, but also acknowledging that we are powerful. Humans have power. We have creative ability. But when we separate it from God, it's not good for us. And that's why God in his kindness spread them out and, and confused their communication because they were unwilling to submit themselves. And then he zoomed in and, and then spoke through the family, family of Abraham. And, and we get the whole, you know, Old Testament leads into, into Jesus and Matthew one with the, with the genealogy there. But all of that helps me because I do hear submission and, and I'm like, oof, I know, I've seen it. I have... Um, been influenced that the negative connotation of that word, but I, I'm really glad you asked that question. I think we have to unlearn a lot with with that word, and then relearn why it's so important for us to understand that submission is is for our own good. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So then, moving on to kind of the next uh, section, talking about priorities, and this is where we kind of zero in on family and just God's design for that. Jose, why? Uh, and then I want to hear Bob your take too. But but why is it important to prioritize family, and why is that just something that's that's significant for us to kind of start with as far as in relation to these other three? I think of two things. One, it's under attack. I worked at the Supreme Court for a few years. And I remember when the same-sex marriage stuff was going through. And I, one of the biggest questions that I thought, because we, we don't, you know, our government, and we'll get to that in a couple of weeks, so I don't want to fast forward, but our government shouldn't necessarily uh, uh, regard God's word as God's word, right? Because we have freedom of religion. And we know that although we do have Christian principles from the foundations of our country, we are not a Christian country in essence. We have a lot of Christian people and anyway, Two weeks. But the whole point was I asked myself, why the word marriage? And why not union? And I actually had some neighbors in DC who, who did live a gay lifestyle and, and they were happy uh, together. And they actually didn't want the label marriage. They just wanted the benefits. And under that, they said marriage is for the church. And so then I look at what's going on in, in our culture. And that was eight, seven years ago. So I look at the progression and I see an attack from the enemy, not from one political group, not from one person. It's not physical, it's spiritual. Attack from the enemy towards the very first institution that God established outside of our relationship with him, which is man and woman 
becoming one through marriage. We see it in Genesis chapter two, and then we see it in Genesis in chapter, uh, Matthew chapter 19. And so that's the second reason is God loves family. From the beginning, he created family and it's under attack. And so we have to not only address God's order of family, but also why it's so important. Mm-hmm. Well, I think we, we don't have to go very far in history to see that this is something that has been under attack yeah. for, for ever since the beginning. And uh, no matter how far back you go in history, the family has always been under attack because of sin. <laughs> so when we talk about, for example, our Heavenly Father, well, there are many people we talk to about our Heavenly Father that only have a perspective of any father as being a very negative yeah. connotation. Yeah. And, and so they have, a, they have an especially difficult time mm-hmm. uh, dealing with that. But the good news is that Jesus did not come into the world to condemn the world. Amen. It is not the job of the church to condemn the world. We should not be surprised at anything the world does because the world is already under condemnation. Mm. Our responsibility is to be salt and light. And we can only do this through our obedience and submission and surrender to God. So uh, every th- I, I am a firm believer in the sovereignty of God. I, I believe that God is interacting everywhere all the time with everything that is happening. In my life, in your life, in everybody's life, mm-hmm. God is seeking a relationship with everyone. Mm-hmm. Christ's death on the cross was a blanket forgiveness to everybody. God God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting men's sins against them. You see, that is the good news. Mm -hmm. Now, you can accept it or reject it. But the good news is God loves every single person and he desires a relationship with them and he meets them right where they are. That's right. That's right. I think that's really interesting, Bob, that you mentioned the attack with the family and you're 100% accurate. I remember growing up Catholic and one of the, the, the stats that they always talked about was the divorce rates in Protestant churches. <laughs> Isn't that interesting? And, and they said, oh, they're not doing it right. And, and all of that, the, the comparison and, and the, well, we're doing it right. Again, we, we tried to say that it is, it's a physical issue, but it's not. It's been mm-hmm. a, it's a spiritual issue, and it's been one from the get-go. I mean, the, the 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 serpent tried to deceive and break apart the first marriage, and and telling you know Adam was was blaming Eve, and and then Eve blamed the snake. So distrust and discord was was there from the get-go, mm-hmm. and that's the enemy scheme is to divide. And what you just said, God's mission is the opposite. It's to unify underneath the authority of 
the cross mm-hmm. and what Jesus has done for us. Yeah. No, I think it's very interesting that in the book of Timothy, when it's talking about uh, qualifications for an overseer or an yeah. elder, uh, one of the, there, he lists 20 characteristics mm-hmm. of a teacher or of an elder. Mm-hmm. 19 of them have to do with character. One has to do with a spiritual gift. Mm-hmm. So character is formed in the family. Mm-hmm. It's not the church's job to form character. It's not the government's job to form character. It's the it's the family, it's in the home. So the Bible tells us that if a person can't rule in his own home, then they shouldn't be a ruler in the church in the sense of having any kind of authority. It's a really challenging verse for me with four little kids. Sometimes I don't feel like the most (laughs) productive ruler with all the chaos going on, but I agree. I agree. That's the arena that we need to take care of first. And if we don't make that our priority, then we're we're out of we're out of order. Well, when we it's like it's like the centrality of Christ. If you put if if a person's life is in chaos and you put Christ in the center and they start gravitating to him, mm-hmm. any any individual starts looking to Christ as the center of their life, he brings everything into harmony. Mm-hmm. And the same thing is true with the family. I know the, the reason I came to faith in Christ was because I had terrible addictions in my life that were destroying my family. Mm-hmm. When I started following Jesus, he started taking away those addictions one at a time. And where Linda and I were headed for a divorce with one child. Today, we have six children, 25 Amen. grandchildren, and like five great-grandchildren. <laughs> and that, so the miracle of my salvation wasn't just for me. Amen. It was for our family. Now, Linda and I have been married 57 years. And yeah. we are happier than we've ever been in our whole <laughs> life. We are more surrendered and I think it's, it's important to understand that surrender is progressive in, in its working out in our lives because just about the time we really think we are surrendered, God allows us to see another area of our life that That's isn't right. surrendered. That's right. So at 77, I'm still discovering those areas. Yeah, and you're uh, an incredible example for all of us. You really are, Bob. Yeah. Really grateful for you. Yeah. Y'all both touched on this idea of the characteristics of families, both talking about negative characteristics, but also positive, which is a great segue into kind of what I wanted to wrap up with. Jose, you kind of listed out four kind of areas that can define what a kingdom culture family looks like. And so I'd just love, even if it's just quick, for us to just hit each of those four and maybe just talk about kind of what are some ways that we can just model this. Because I love that even if someone doesn't have a family, these are characteristics that we want to embody just in our relationships and our community groups, just in all allowing people to really kind of flourish. And so uh, the first one here is comfort. And so this is like all four of these. uh, If a child can't get this in the home, they're going to look for it elsewhere. How can we be people that exude comfort in our relationships? 
the first thing is being a safe place. And through the highs and through the lows, understanding that we can be a place of comfort for our kids. And I love that you mentioned community group, our community group families. And in my college years, this church was my family. I I got to experience really, really, really intimate um, bonds thanks to the safety that that I had in this place. And and scripture teaches us to to mourn with those who mourn and rejoice with those who rejoice. And, And I think that that's what gives us comfort. Amen. And I like the way you put that. It's we—it's a being, not a doing. Hmm. And uh, it comfort uh, is expressed out of who we are yeah. with people, yeah. and that comes from authenticity and transparency. Yeah. When people can see that we are together we are a covenant people not because it we're always good but because we're forgiving and forbearing and loving and kind towards one another Mm -hmm. and that is that is where comfort really comes into play Mm -hmm. when people feel that Mm -hmm. and they sense that Yeah, that's good. Number two is acceptance. Jose, you kind of alluded to that social media just plays even, we see the worldly uh, you know, retreat to try to seek this out of, out of social media. But, but what are ways that we can be people that uh, accept those around us? I tell my kids ad nauseum and they probably, maybe it loses power, but that I'm proud of who they are. And they're small, so they're not doing great things. You know, but I think of (laughs) specifically being their soccer coach, the two girls, they were not the best soccer players. And I had a, I had a, I had tension there because I wanted, I wanted them to perform and I wanted them to enjoy the game as much as I do. Right. And, and I, I, I put that on them and, and I quickly turned and decided I'm just going to accept, um, both that they're not the best soccer players in the world yet, not declaring that over them. We're going to be great one day, maybe. And, uh, but also that I'm just going to accept them for, for who they are and, and mm-hmm. meet them there and say, hey, I'm, I'm proud of you. For me, it's quite simple. We need to accept others the same way Christ accepted mm-hmm. us yeah. and the way that he accepts people. Yeah. That's good. That's good. Number three is affection. How do we be affectionate people in our relationships? Give some hugs, side hugs if you're in community group. <laughs> no, I think affection is is really is really important, and um, I think it shows. It, well, it does provide comfort, but but it also brings security. Uh, appropriate security, especially in the family. And I think that one of the reasons why we look at affection in other places is because it's lacking in the family, be it uh, even even distance, sitting closely with one another, uh, uh, eyesight, you know, looking at somebody in the eyes and, and seeing them, I think shows affection. You, mm-hmm. can, you can show affection in many different ways. Uh, I do love holding hands. I joked that, you know, I held my hands, my dad's hand for way too long. I really didn't. Uh, it wasn't, you know, it was like in elementary school, but uh, definitely longer than my peers. I do remember that. But I hold my kids' hands and, and I want to show them that, that I care for them and I'm there for them in that way. Amen. And affection, 
in our culture, is it's becoming almost risky if you if you are with people that you don't know very well. So we have to be really cautious mm -hmm. in right. our culture That's about right. that. But there's one thing that we can do with everybody, and if we can really do it much easier if the joy of the Lord is flowing out of us, and that is the ministry of a smile. Yeah. Just the comfort and the affection that a smile shows to people. And we need to be a joyful people. That's the characteristic yeah. of the kingdom That's of right. God, That's the right. joy that wells up from that river of life that we have within mm -hmm. us. Mm -hmm. That's really good. Yeah, that's really good. And I like where you're headed with that because I think affection, I immediately think of kind of physical affection, but there is just other components to that that I know I've experienced where it's loving people for who they are and actually like wanting to spend time with them. I just remember like certain friends of mine that when they just show an extension of like intentionality saying, Hey, I like, I want to hang out with you. I want to like, it just, it made me feel good. It was like, okay, this person's, it's not just like a checkbox. This isn't just somebody that they're moving me through a system, but it's like, they actually want to be my friend. And so I think that that, um, mm -hmm. even just when it comes to outside the family, just ways in which we can, uh, exude that. And then the last one is approval. So Jose, you said it may not be approving of all their decisions, but approving of their uh, identity as a son or daughter of Christ. Yeah. So how do we how do we uh, approve and be someone that's uh, approving others? Yeah, I think that, and I love that you mentioned joy, and I think of peace also. The other, uh, the two out of the three, you know, in Romans fourteen, uh, characteristics of the kingdom of God: um, peace, joy, and, and righteousness. I think that when we approve our kids specifically, um, in who they are in the Lord, then we're, we're, we're providing comfort, we're providing security, but we're also showing them how to be at peace and showing them that they can really rest in that fact that they are a, a child of God. And I think the best thing that I can do as a dad is in my imperfections and in the times that I don't get it wrong, when I do apologize, I always remind them, your heavenly father, is perfect. Your earthly father is very imperfect. <laughs> and I apologize. I recognize that. But I want to tell you that your heavenly father is perfect. Amen. And one of the things that I have as uh, a primary objective, I don't do it all the time, but I, it's my I guess my aspiration, and that is to be non-judgmental, mm -hmm. because if we want to affirm people and uh, really, really um, help them, encourage them, uh, one of the, I know the opposite of that is being judgmental mm -hmm. towards them. So we've got to really be careful. If we do have something, uh, if somebody does need a rebuke as much as possible. Follow Galatians 6, 1 and 2, where it says, if anybody's overtaken in a fault, restore such mm -hmm. a one. Always focus on restoration that's if, really if that's necessary. Mm -hmm. But affirming people is incredibly important. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's good. Those are all really good things that I hope that people can take away, uh, just even start applying this week in their homes and 
just in the relationships. Jose, do you want to close us out, uh, kind of last thoughts on this week and then maybe even a preview for next week? You know, I think it's cool how we came out from the church that heals and we talked about all, all of our personal stuff and then we just jumped into to family. Um, one of our staff values, this was uh, the staff got together at a retreat. Remember that? Yeah. <laughs> in um, early 2020 when we... Um, Before COVID. Yeah. <laughs> if you can, man, anyway, that just seems like a long time ago. We all decided on our staff values, what we value as a staff, and we want what we want to see throughout, you know, Cyprus and community groups and beyond. And one of the things that we chose was we want to prioritize healthy homes. And I think it is important for us to continually prioritize that. Bob, I love how you mentioned First Timothy, and I know Titus also qualifications for elders talks about uh, ruling your family well and making sure that those things are, are in order. We're not called to be perfect. We can't be perfect. Right. Every family is imperfect and there, there needs to be grace there. But I think we need to pursue God's order of marriage as a church. And I'm excited to talk next week about our church and how to make that a priority and what it looks like to really partner with church rather than just be a member of a church. So, and then of course, the country in two weeks, that'll be fun as well. I hope that this is helpful for all of us. Again, I do believe that this is important for us to talk about it. If you have questions, we haven't talked about this often, but this is the Conversations Podcast and we want to discuss what, you know, any questions that you may have. So what is it? Questions at Cypress Creek Church? Conversations. Conversations. What is it? Conversation or conversations? Uh, I think both actually. Oh, there you go. You choose conversation or conversations at cypresscreekchurch.com. Would love to answer questions as we go through the series. A lot going on, but God is on the throne.